Welcome to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about vocations and career paths. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard that we submit a resume, which contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that is not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. I'm very excited to speak today with Patty Mizjak-Peters, architect, designer, and owner of PLM Architect for the past 15 years. I met Patty a handful of years ago when we renovated our home at the Jersey Shore. Patty's a true professional, a visionary of design and architecture, and she certainly has an interesting journey to share. In fact, <clears throat> listen to this podcast interview to the end and hear her explain many of the details regarding her jobs, career moves, decision points, and personal and professional circumstances that led her to where she is today. Patty, thank you for agreeing to be our guest. Welcome to the podcast and for discussing your career story with us today. Glad to be here, Sean. The, the purpose of this podcast, as you know, is to discuss career paths, choices, and opportunities that our guests have taken or not. We'll discuss how your career started, how it progressed, and how and why your career developed, perhaps with knowledge, experience, personal or professional interest, networking, or possibly by personal circumstances. In other words, what happened between the bullet points? So as I stated just a few minutes ago that, that we've known each other previously as architect and client. Needless to say, my wife and I are both very pleased with the work you did for us, and we haven't been very shy about telling people what architect planned our addition and renovation, and we continue to recommend your services to many people. Uh, you were also very high on the list of hopeful interviews that I wanted to record for this podcast. As part of the preparation of this interview, you were gracious us to to. to complete the packet of pre-interview materials that I sent, uh, and I learned even more about you. So that's that's what I want to get across to our listeners and, and hear about your story and all the, the nitty-gritty details that, that really led your career path to where you are. So we'll start out with the present day and just, okay. just give our audience right now a, a kind of a glimpse what it's like to be an architect and an owner of your own firm. Uh, challenge. Like any, I guess, like any professional that a small business owner, when you jump into owning your own business, you you completely forget that I, you know you're going into it because you love what you do. So I love being an architect. I love being able to sculpt and design three dimensional spaces for my clients, and and in return also help them um, solve a problem you know, some sort of spatial problem that they might be having. But when you start your own practice, you you also forget that it's a business. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't only do the work that brought you there, but you, you have to do the business end of it. Um, so it was, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little <laughs> bit of a challenge to, to divide your time between running the business and doing, doing the work and right. then, you know, throw in all the other things that you have to deal with in, in life. You know, none of us operate in a vacuum. You've certainly taken on a lot, and, and there's a ton of responsibility. And I, I think just the 
if, if you were an architect alone and you have been, uh, but I think a lot of people can identify with it just having a career and a career is just busy enough, but you've taken on the extra burden of, you know, having your own business and, and running that and being an entrepreneur and, and worrying about, you know, finding clients, getting jobs done and making payroll and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, kudos to you. You've, you've taken that. And I think there, there's a lot of people who even consider, you know, do I go out on my own? And right. You know, right. Is, is, and, you know, and it's not, it, you know, there's, there's definitely some safe, some, some safety in staying employed by somebody else. It's not like before I left and started my own practice, I, I really liked the, the firm that I worked for in Hackensack. I really enjoyed being an architect on their staff and I liked coming home and making dinner and then not thinking about work. You don't have that when you, when you own your own business, you know, you're always trying to find the time and then being an architect it's also you know there's a creative aspect to the to the job to yep. the profession yep. and you can't just flip a switch and say okay i'm going to design now it just it doesn't happen that way so you you have to be able to fill in the gap of you know when you're creative you got to let it flow and you got to go with it and when when you don't have that moment you have to fill fill that in with the other parts of the business or the other technical parts of the of being an architect, right? Because there's the creative stuff, but then there's the stuff that allows it to stand up, basically. <laughs> so I'm, I'm also curious that, you know, and I know you wouldn't do it if you if that wasn't the, the best opportunity for you or, or what you believe is, is the, the right thing to do for you, and, and, and that's great. <clears throat> and I know it's hard work. Being a, a minor entrepreneur, I'll call it that much, myself in the past with a video business and some other stuff, uh, and I know there's, you know, there's always the struggle of running the business. And, and I think a lot of people can kind of commiserate in, in the hardships of running it and doing a lot of the, the legal stuff and the accounting and, and all kinds of things that go along with it. But yet on the other side of that, there is satisfaction and reward and, you know, things that you're able to do. Are you uh, able to take some time once in a while and look around and say, you know, these are the jobs I want to do. These are the clients I want to work with. These are the projects I want to do. Are you able to really enjoy some of the, the better parts of, of having your own firm? After, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, in the beginning, no. Um, now, you know, after all these years of being in business, we, we are and we're able to be a little bit more selective. We, we have this entire process we've sort of developed where we, we educate people in, in advance um, of meeting them about our philosophy and our, our fee structure. And we kind of explain it a little more upfront before we even come out and meet our clients. So that, that gives them a chance to kind of really digest the information and figure out if, we, if we're going to be the right fit, because we don't want to waste anybody's time. In the beginning, you know, we took everything, you know, anything that came our way, you sure. take it because you're, you're trying to make ties with the community. You're trying to establish relationships. And that's just that's just the, na- the nature of you know any I think any business you know there's you, can, you don't start necessarily start out being selective but we have you know over the years we've 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 grown we've moved with the with the economy you know we, mm-hmm. we did fifty fifty split or maybe actually seventy. 30 split, 70% commercial, 30% residential when we started. Right. And it went to 50-50. And now I, I would say it, it's definitely, it's more like 80-20, residential, commercial. Okay. All right. So you found a lot of people right now are 
are really requiring your services and and that's what the parts that you enjoy is is pretty much the more of the residential i'd say yeah i love i love the residential i i mean there there's a lot there's a lot that i like about the commercial work and but what it is is we we are more a design you know we're definitely more a higher end design company we like to design out problems so when a commercial client comes and they're willing you know, they're not just looking for that drawing that's going to get them the permit so that they can go in and do what they want. That, that's what we don't like doing anymore. So, right. But if, if a commercial client comes and they like, are really interested in our ideas or, oh, I didn't think of, I didn't think of it that way or, oh, wow, I, I didn't know I could do that. And, and it's more of that collaborative, creative, let's make something special happen. Mm-hmm. That, those, are, those are the commercial clients that, that we like to take on. So now that we know where you are right now and, and you're being successful, you're running your own firm, you've got people working with you and for you, and uh, that's a wonderful thing. I think a lot of people can identify with that and, and even some dreams out there of, of being you uh, in your position and what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's interesting, but how you got there and, and, and the things that led you there, kind of like what we what, what I'm interested in going after right now. So let's let's take this moment to kind of like just go all the way back. And okay. and I know that, you know, from our discussions and what you sent me and that you grew up and, and obviously as part of the family and, uh, you know, parents, brothers and, and whatever. Uh, and you moved around a little bit. I noticed you're from uh, Virginia to begin with. I, I grew up in, in Morris County. Okay. And, then I went to, and then I went to school in Virginia. I went to Virginia Tech. Um, awesome architecture program. One of the best in the country. I'm happy to still say it's a five-year degree and during the that time um in virginia when i was going to school in virginia i ended up living in virginia um in 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 the summers between my last two years of school and then i got my first i ended up back in virginia with my first full-time job just step back for a second because i'm curious and and i know there's there's a lot of uh, ability right now to kind of look at this and say well how did we even get there first so uh, going to Virginia Tech was obviously a big decision on your part and to go for architecture, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at as, as a school administrator. I go, well, that being a female in architecture is what we call a non-traditional type of career. Yeah. And, you know, for you to make that decision. So there's, there's a couple of things that transpired prior to you going there that, that I'm just curious about. So uh-huh. first of all, your love or interests to your desire to go into the architecture, construction, building field? Uh, and then how did you come to say, yeah, Virginia Tech is going to be the, where I'm going to go? I guess it was really my father had sat me down in high school. My whole life I had wanted to be a doctor. I was just from a little girl. I loved children, and I, I was going to be a doctor, going to be a doctor. My dad and mom were very much into just because you're a girl, don't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, that was always what, what I heard. And so, you know, back then being a doctor, that was like one of the best careers you could do to, to, to like kind of shatter that glass ceiling that yep. I didn't know I was like aiming for. Um, and then, you know, you grow up and you, you develop skills. And I was always very much into the arts. I was very artistic. Art was always a part of my life. I think around my freshman and soft, probably my sophomore year in high school, um, I, I remember it very vividly. Where my family and I and my brother were sitting around the kitchen table, we're having our dinner, 
and my we're starting to talk about college. It's not too far away now, and my dad's like, are you sure you want to be a doctor? <laughs> and I looked at him because I had never considered anything else, and I said, yeah, why? And he goes, well, I, you know, you, you, you do so much art, and he goes, and you're so good at it. Did, did you ever consider doing something where you could use your art? And that that was it. That was that was the beginning of really thinking about what would make me happy that I could also excel in. in you know, so because I did have that math side of me. I did have that very, you know, science and math. I was good at it. I was a good student. And but I also had this artistic side. So I was very, very close to the art teacher in my high school. Okay. Um, I took art for four years. It was, it was, it, there was just one art teacher at the time, and his best friend was the drafting teacher in the high school. Very tiny high school, Dover High School in, in Dover, New Jersey. It, I, I graduated with like 187 kids in my class. Right. You know, so, you know, less than 1,000 kids in the whole high school. I talked to them. I, 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 I shared with my art teacher what my conversation with my father was, and him and the drafting teacher kind of, teamed up on me, I guess, is the best way of saying it, you know, and we, we, we talked around the idea of interior designer and then the drafting teacher, because he was a drafting teacher, he's like, no, he goes, you should be an architect. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of where it came from. It came from, you know, a combination of my fa- my father planting the seeds and, you know, two teachers that I really respected, you know, taking the opportunity and, and because it was a small school and because they, I guess, had a, an opportunity to know the students, right. they, they knew me. It wasn't like I was a face that flashed in for 45 minutes and then flashed out. They, you know, they'd seen me. I'd been in, in school, you know, for two years. It must have been my soft, end of my sophomore year. Yeah, they took the bull by the horn and said, you know, you'd, you'd be good at this. Good. So you had some people looking after you, just kind of, uh, you know, in your corner. Obviously, your, your your dad and your teachers, and giving you guidance, and, and really looking and say, you you have these obvious strengths and abilities. Doctor is great, <laughs> but but maybe there's a passion for something else, and and that yeah. was it. I know in today's terms, and we we use a lot of terminology, and I I'm part of the group that kind of sends students on to other opportunities after high school. So whether that be post secondary education or into the world of work and things like that too. The architecture field is still very much alive and well, um, but what, what we've seen is kind of this morphing in a way, at least in titles, of design and architecture. And, you know, yeah. kind of like the blending of, you know, which is which. So where there may have been kind of this uh, major or emphasis on interior design as a separate piece from architecture in the past, uh, I think it's it's more obviously blended now as a concerted effort uh, and may have always been so was it kind of either one or both that really drew you in was it the design and the art and space or or was it the the actual planning of the space and the architecture and then bring in design well I, ironically you know archi- the architecture in in our country well through, throughout you know recent history was all about designing space and everything that went inside the space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go back to Frank Lloyd Wright, you, you know, you go back 
even further than that, and, and there was this whole movement of architecture and architects really believing that they could influence the way people lived, not just by, by sculpting their, their physical building, but by the textiles and the furniture and the color and everything. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then we moved away from that. So I, I think it was originally, you know, the, the thought of playing with color and fabric was was what really got me moving away from the doctor world. But when I when when you go to school for for architecture, especially at Virginia Tech, the interior, you know, a, a lot of the first so it's a five year degree or a mm -hmm. six year degree if you want that professional degree where you can take your license. There, there's no choice. So you need a professional a professional degree, whether that's a master's or a professional bachelor's degree. And a lot of the interior design programs are melded with the architecture program. So your first year of school, they're, they're really exposing you to all aspects of how do I think and what is design. And it, it, there's no, so there's a blurring, like you just said, there is no finite line. This is the architect, this is the landscape architect, mm -hmm. this is the engineer. It's all together. They want you to really expand how you think. Right. And I just couldn't get enough of that my freshman year. My my first year in school, it was just like, oh, you know, it was it was like it was kind of like when I you know, I have this written on on my website. It's like you take a box and you explode it. Right? So when right. you when you explode a box there's like endless possibilities. And, and that's exactly what my first year of school at Virginia Tech was about. It's about exploding all those notions. I guess I experienced what it could be. And I, ju I just knew halfway through my first year, this was where I belonged. And it was because it was, uh, as an architect, I can touch I, as much or as little of the project as I want. And I just love having my hands in everything, which is why we're a small firm, right? Because right. I meet the clients, I talk to them, you know, we design it, we we do the detailing for it, I do the engineering for it, I have a structural and you know, but I'm not stupid enough to do it all alone. You know, I have I you know, I have my 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 friend, my partner from, from Virginia Tech who is in Virginia, so, you know, we, we're tag-teamed right. on, on projects all the time. But I have a structural engineer that I send all my stuff out to, and I mm -hmm. have a woman that does interior design. So when needed, I've got the help I need. Yeah, that's that's probably uh, another conversation we can get into, but but maybe you know another day and maybe with another group of people because it, it's the conversation around entrepreneurship and and starting a business mm -hmm. and and some people have these dreams of you know oh I'm going to start a, a firm like an architecture firm and we're going to be huge and I'm going to employ you know a thousand people and every uh, size company every difference certainly brings other challenges and you know there's there's a lot to be said for a small business. Which is successful, yeah. you know. Some people use the the quote, you know, keep it small, keep it all. And what I'm hearing from you is, you know, keep it small, talk to them all, and be part of of it all. Uh, yeah. And that's yeah. that's an, you know a conscious decision and a choice on your part as well. Absolutely, it's about quality control at that point, you know. Too, it's you know, it definitely, it's 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 a, it is a choice. It's got its 
It's got its benefits. It's mm -hmm. got its disadvantages. You know, it's a choice. I am curious. I led up to it a little bit, too. I'd, I've known people to go to Virginia Tech. It's an excellent school. It's an excellent program. I've had friends go there from back in high school. In fact, one went for architecture themselves. So... How do you, sitting in Dover, New Jersey, um, and being in high school there, influenced by your people, how, how do you end up? There's a lot of choices. You can go for architecture and, and some better than others. So how do you end up at Virginia Tech? You have a drafting teacher that's phenomenal. It, back then, I'm the first in my family to go to college. So we really didn't, and it's nothing, you know, like the process that these kids go through today. I knew absolutely nothing about the process. So looking at schools, I, I had finally figured out that difference that we just spoke about between it's a five-year degree or it's a six-year degree. And my parents are middle class, but they're at the bottom end of the middle class, so there's not a lot of money. So you look at five years paying for school and six, and you're going, okay, I'm going for the five-year program. And then you find the schools, and I went to my architecture, my drafting teacher, and I said, what do you recommend? And he, and he flat out came out, I think you need to look at Virginia Tech. And I'll, I'll never forget, I applied to four schools when it was time to go to Virginia to look at Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. um, I had called and got an appointment, some random, I, I thought it was random, but you know, this is, this is where you're, you gotta have a little bit of faith in, in the universe and in God, because the person that answered the phone said, oh, I'm an architecture student, you know, I could show you around if you came down. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, it turns out my parents couldn't go. They oh. couldn't afford the flight. Oh, wow. So from, from Morris County, New Jersey, I drove myself to Newark Airport, got on a plane, went down to Roanoke, Virginia, yeah. got on a bus that took me to Virginia Tech, which was an hour, you know, further south, met this strange student that I only talked to on the phone who proceeded to show me around the university. Now, luckily, he was an architecture student, so he really talked up the school. I had, I had a hotel. My parents had, you know, found a hotel in, in Blacksburg. I stayed at the hotel, and then I, I got... Uh, a ride back to the airport the next day and came home. I remember coming home and saying to my mom, I don't know what I'm going to do. And mm. she said, well, what do you mean? And, and I, was, I was waiting on, I was waiting to hear back from one other school. And I said, I really liked Virginia Tech. If, and if, if I get into this other school, I'm going to have to make a choice. And, and I don't know if I can make that choice. As it turns out, I didn't get into that other school. And I look back on that moment, and I have no doubt in my mind that was a moment of divine intervention. Yeah. I, I absolutely believe that with my whole heart. Mm. Um, th that was where I was meant to be. And from every everything from from when the, the you know my my teachers you know guiding me and then recommending Virginia Tech and and the way I had to go and visit on my own so it wasn't like I had mom and dad whispering in my ear oh you like this you like that you know it wasn't any of that <laughs> and then and then not getting into the other school was the greatest blessing I could have ever had absolutely I can see that you know I, I'm listening to your story right now and obviously I, I concur with with what you're thinking and feeling it's kind of giving me some some goosebumps on that one and I think it's mm -hmm. true, but um, I'm also hearing you being, you know, a, a, a younger person, a young adult, but, you know, I'm also thinking my daughter was at that age, and she's just only a hair older than that right now, 
you know, to, yeah. to get yourself to the airport and get yourself on a plane, fly down there, get on a bus and go there by yourself. Uh, you know, this is, this is an incredible story that says a lot about you, your maturity, um, and, and what you're, you're willing to go for what, what you really want to find out and, and see. So that right there is an incredible part of your story as well. Yeah, I guess, you know, the, 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 as a woman, you know, my father, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, looking back over my life, I definitely have taken that to heart sure. throughout my, throughout my career. There was nothing going to stop me. And you've referred to that a couple of times and even in some of the materials that we saw in, in pre-interview too, uh, your family was, was very supportive of you as well. And, you know, your parents and they were both working parents they they were busy with their own jobs so they were good role models for you i it seems to be and and obviously encouraging you to do that but seeing their their work ethic and, and you obviously have a good work ethic because of you know who you are your experiences maybe how you were raised and what you saw as well now yes definitely definitely my work ethic definitely comes from my parents there's no doubt about that so there's another piece of your story here, which which comes into uh, this, and I, I I have to bring up right now uh, because I'm intrigued by it. And you're going through high school, you're doing a lot in in art and drafting and many other classes. Obviously, you're doing well in a lot of things. Uh, but you were at some point in your life diagnosed with dyslexia. Yeah. So when did that happen? I actually didn't find out. I had dyslexia until my son got diagnosed with it. Really? So it, that was in the, in, yeah. So I had, I sh- struggled with, reading was painfully slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parent, both my parents read and it was an escape. So when you really, when you, when you, you know, the world's spinning and you just need that place to hide and there's no internet, right? And there's right. no phones and, you, you know, you just need to go off into that world. Mm-hmm. The only, the, the best place to do that was in books, right? So I would, um, it, it just, everything, even the way we were, you know, Sean, you know, the way we were educated, you know, you, you copy information off the board, right? You got to cut, you know, you got to take the statement and um, I would substitute Word, letters for words and and you know so for for as wonderful an experience as I had in high school with high school teachers elementary school I can remember one elementary school teacher um, they broke you into reading groups right? right so I was in the second to the lowest reading group mm. and um, the, the teacher had you read out loud and I mis- mistook the word should for shoulder mm. and I'll, I'll never forget forget this she got up from the reading table and went to the front of the class and wrote the word on the board and she got the entire student's attention and she said patty thinks this word is shoulder Ouch. and half the class started laughing wow. and i was mortified yeah but that's that's part of people with dyslexia will take combinations of letters mm-hmm. And their their brains automatically trying to filter through because it has a certain look, and so it's it's very very natural. So I didn't know I went all through high school, right. all through elementary school, all through college, just thinking, okay, I, I I'm just slow. 
or yeah, you don't know any different because you you don't know any different. Or what I did know was that my vocabulary was very poor. And the reason my vocabulary was poor wasn't because I didn't know what words were. It was because when you're writing in high school, especially, you get marked down if you spell a word wrong. And people with dyslexia, one of the number one clues is they can't spell. I, I can't, you know. Spelling is not, it's just never, I love, I love my word processor. I love it. It checks all my vocabulary, it checks all my spelling words now, you know, it's okay. but back then there was no such thing. So, you know, you substitute smaller words for the big words because you, you need to get your point across. You have to finish the thing that you're writing and you can't make a spelling mistake. So my vocabulary suffered because of that. But um, I'm just imagining it because you're compensating, you know, for a lot of things and, and it's hard to to tell and you're obviously yeah. not diagnosed until later in life and and you have your own son and and then you know thank goodness that he was diagnosed when you know whenever he was uh, but you know to learn yourself and it probably answers a lot of questions for you and and for looking back on it it was it was a huge light bulb moment it was it really was so we, we my son was in third grade and we took him to his um an educational neurologist you know he went through two days of testing and um when we went back for the diagnosis the way the doctor sat down with me and my son my husband couldn't be at the second meeting and he says he turns to my son and he goes you know you you have dyslexia just like your mom and it hadn't and it hasn't stopped her from doing what she's needed wanted to do in life. She's an architect, so yes, you have it too, but right. you don't have to let it set set you back. That was how I found out I had it. That's a aha moment there, so it was amazing, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my own personal experience i mean i I did not have that, but my uh close cousin uh, was diagnosed in later in, in high school, actually, he, he always had a hard time reading and, and misspelling words or, or interchanging letters and things like that. But it, it wasn't really obvious. Like nobody said, oh, these are the symptoms before. It's, you know, it was always a little right. tough time reading or didn't like to read. Uh, so therefore, it didn't do it a whole lot. You know, it was once they were diagnosed, then then came the help and the support. And right. and he he learned you know, very well and and has been very successful since then in uh, many jobs and careers and, and ended up in construction as well, but that's another story. But yeah, I'm, but people with this dyslexia they they tend to be the think outside the box people, which mm-hmm. is why being an architect that, that that aha moment you know and being an architect because my son being in third you know in third grade, you know it was like oh that's. That, that that's part of what makes me a good architect because sure. that that neuron hiccup that I have just had a benefit. Who knew? But in the meantime, you know, we, we run our educational system. I think we get better and better every year in, in many cases, uh, you know, for certain things. You know, it's, it's taken a while. And I, I know back in the day, whether it was 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, that just like the teacher that that wrote that on the board and, and called you out on it, you know, we we don't do things like that anymore, and and I hope we don't. I hope uh, we don't. And in some <laughs> cases, that that that's very cruel and all that too. And I think we've gotten better at diagnosing things and doing that. But in the meantime, everybody's education looked pretty similar. 
you know, the special yeah. needs students are identified. There was no 504. There was no IEP for a long yeah. time. Everybody had to read. Everybody had to be in those reading circles. Everybody had to write the papers. Everybody got marked off for spelling and grammar and, and everything else. And, and you weren't looked at any differently other than the fact that, hey, you didn't do it so well and you didn't get very good grades. But yet, in the, at the same time, you were struggling in your own way. Yeah. No, no, there's no where, you know, th this was the, the one thing I can say about my, and again, it was more my elementary school years and, mm -hmm. and people who knew me back then would say, I always, always did homework. Like there was no, there was no break. Like I didn't have, after like third grade, I really didn't have much playtime. I, you know, I, I played basketball. That was one of my passions in mm -hmm. school and I always took the basketball season off and I was in the band. So I, I you know, I had, I had extracurricular things, but I'd come home and I'd do homework and I'd go to bed and I, and you know, wash, rinse, repeat. That, that's all I, because it just took me so much longer to complete the assignment because it took me longer to read. It took me longer to copy anything that I did, you know, down it it, it it was it was it was it was a struggle and 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 I saw my my son struggling and that's when I was like wait a minute this, this is a flashback you know what's going on it wasn't good enough just to like let it go by that's commendable uh to go through that and and overcome or or achieve as much as you have done you know, especially through your primary and secondary education and then you're off to college so uh you've learn to work work hard overcome certain things even if you didn't know any different you know than than someone who doesn't have that so but it didn't stop you so you you, no. ke you kept going that's... yeah and, and that's because of support you know i was lucky i i had parents that that supported effort okay so now you're in virginia tech it's a five-year program it's a it's a it's a great program there's a lot of things going on how important is it then going through a program like that, any program really, to find mentors, whether it be a professor or other people, RAs, that kind of guide you, take you under their wing or, or look after you. Because college and post-secondary school sometimes can be a very lonely place. And with the right influences, the right mentors, or the right support, it could be a very successful place. So what have, what have you found going through there? I think having having the mentors and Professor-wise and upper-classman-wise is, is definitely huge. I mean, like you said, there's, there's a lot going on, and I can, I can remember in school looking at some of the, my freshman year, looking at some of the third, third year was a tough year. It was, it was the bridge year between being really um, esoteric in thought to this is how a building gets put together, mm. and a, a lot of students crashed and burned. Um, they, they lost their way. They dropped out of architecture schools. Demand, I mean, it's a demanding, it's a demanding field. So having my, my first year professor who was also the assistant dean at the time was definitely my mentor and having that person that I could push up against. And even after he wasn't my professor, I, I we, we had this relationship where, I did a lot of black and white photography. It was my it was my outlet mm. in school. So I, you had the architecture, but you needed that creative thing, that other thing that just kind of inspired you. And and I can remember bringing him in my photographs. And sometimes the conversation was just about the, the the photograph, right? What what it was, or or 
maybe it was a technical aspect of the photograph, how, how to ex overexpose it, underexpose it to make it the best it could be. Right. And um, him and then, you know, there was another, there was a, a couple of Ferraris in, at school that were also, at that point in my career, they weren't full-time professors. Um, they they led the European um, program, so they were overseas for half the school year anyway. And it's the same thing, having, having them to talk to and bounce where you're at with I, I, it's huge it's just it, you know it's, it's keeping it there the older the professors are there that they, they have a um a bigger perspective of what it's all about because you can get so drowned in the minutiae mm, right the little sure. tiny thing and that's the same you know it's just like you know as an architect i can tell you you know i can i can fuss over this little tiny detail that you are never going to see but I'm going to walk away and know that that detail is holding up half your house or tying something together. And but when you get down in that that detail, you get you can get lost. And so without the professors, I think to pull it back for you and, and remind you what it's all about, you know, you can yeah you can definitely. And then I and then I was very fortunate. I had a tight group of friends that were as excited about being in school as I was. So some of them were architects, some of them were engineers, but having that small group that were studious and dedicated, you know, they, they become your second family, your family while you're away. Right. Um, I think that, 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 you know, that's just as important. Some of them were older, you know, and you watch them go off and, and get their careers and see them struggle, you keep in touch with them. And some of them were, were the same age, you know, the same year as me, and you, 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 you walk the walk together. I mean, finding, uh, we, we said as my, you know, my son was go looking for school, you need to find your people. Right. And, and, and I, that is so important today. You need to find your people. You need to find the people that are just going to love and support you for who you are and push you when you need to get pushed. In fact, you, you really acknowledge that in, in your program and in, in that, that third year is really kind of like the, the make or break point. And, and that's, yeah. you know, I think in a lot of fields and a lot of time and places, it, it could happen at different times and, and maybe significant in others. But there always seems to be that moment, you know, that moment where you either you're confident or you, you push through or, or you, you, you question yourself. Maybe, you know, it's, it's those times where some of those students or whatever did and say, okay, it's not for me, or, you know, I, I can't do this and I, I want to do something else, or I should do something else. Or sometimes it's those moments where, you know, your parents always say, oh, have a fallback plan, you know, for what, in case I just change my mind or, or, you know, you get to that point where like, okay, maybe I didn't make the right decision or whatever. But at that point yep. in time, are you, are you thinking, if you bring yourself back to that, that moment, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm going to get through this, but you know, a year, two years, five years, 10 years from now, did you see yourself as an architect? Yeah, I think I, I think I always, I just knew, I personally just knew this, there was just so much in, in that curriculum for mm -hmm. me. And, yep. and that's, that's not to say that I didn't, I didn't, I had my, I had my really depressive moments, right? I mm -hmm. had, I struggled with that third year transition, just like a lot of other students did. I had the other interests, the photography. I actually really enjoyed 
taking a lot of, I took a lot of poetry classes to satisfy the language arts curriculum. Again, a little esoteric, definitely my way of thinking. Um, short words, not, not big, long yeah. <laughs> epics. Yeah. And I, and I, and I really, and I really liked that. And yeah, there was that moment when it was like, okay, is, is this, is this from, is this for me? I am so much left and right brained. You know, I don't even know if that's, that's a real thing being creative and mathematical sure. but i i am i am definitely both i am definitely both and i kept coming like the the photography and the poetry it was like the photography yeah but can you can you see yourself making a living out of this and it was no you know and, and poetry did i love the poetry i love reading it like writing it you know i don't see myself as being a poet it was just it, the architecture was there and and yeah, I, I definitely I just didn't know what kind of architect I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like that was the that, that was the thing, and maybe that was what was so scary. Okay. Um, because within the world of architecture, you can go in so many different directions. So. And, and speaking know, I, of that, you you during college, you actually had some experience working for an architect yeah. firm, doing some drafting, right? So you had some yeah. experience and exposure to the various types. Yeah, I, I I did. I had a summer job. Um, I had for two, well, one and a half, one, two summers um, working in in for in a firm where you know you you actually had your hands on on things that were going to get built. You know, there were com- some commercial, some resident, a lot of residential work. It was like oh, you know, where you know the 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 owner of the firm would come down, and I actually I remember he he would make me practice writing the alphabet. Uh, because architects have that very, very unique, you know, uh, slant and and font that they write in, Mm -hmm. and it's practiced. I mean, you would sit there with the parallel bar and the straight edge, and you you would sit there and and practice it. You know, it was, that was, that was a great experience because you you drew a line, and the line had a, it it represented something. You know, it was, it was the edge of a two by four, right? And you're, you're Mm -hmm. just, you know, you can't just copy things anymore it, it, you have to start translating what you're drawing into oh that that's what that is <laughs> moment every every dot every line every every thick thin you know every it, they all mean something so yeah because in school it's abstract right in in school in in, in school it's a, it's, a, it's a lot more abstract you know the the how the form gets built that that that's like very towards the end of your career it's mm-hmm. not necessarily you know or at least in my generation when i was in school it it it, it was more about design uh, and towards the latter end it was about how it got built yeah that was that was that was interesting working in the in the in the firm it was definitely it was it solidified that's where i was headed also i'm i'm curious now and i think you referred to this and other things I always think back, you know, I, I happened to go through the School of Engineering when I was actually going for an education degree because we're technology education, which is the old industrial arts. But we were part of the, the School of Engineering. And one of my professors, an engineering professor, told me one day, you know what an engineer is? Uh, it's, it's someone that, you know, measures with a micrometer, marks with chalk, and cuts with an axe. And and that kind of stuck with me, and you know I love engineers and engineering, and I didn't even consider it myself, but but I also realized what he was saying is that you know the practical side of actually seeing things get made and and hands on, and you know to not understand you know how to use a saw and some of the things that make 
whatever drills and, and everything else that make products, you know, the engineers a lot of times mm-hmm. lack. So, so your experience, your love of architecture and design and actually, you know, seeing things, you know, whether it's residential or commercial, walking through buildings and seeing two by fours and framed walls and ceilings. And, and what's your experience been throughout the years up until this point that, that you're in college? When I was little, we, I grew up in a Cape Cod. And my first experience with any kind of construction was when my dad built this big addition onto the house. And he and my mom and his, all his brothers, he's one of 10, built the addition. You know, he, 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 sits, he hand excavated the foundation mm-hmm. and he will sit here to this day and tell you he got that foundation level to an eighth of an inch, which <laughs> is un, unreal, right? Yeah. It's just totally yeah. unreal. And um, him and my uncle framed all the house. And I remember, you know, they put the insulation in the walls and mm-hmm. it's pink. Right. And I'm a little girl and it looks like cotton candy. So (laughs) what do I want to do? I want to go and touch the fiberglass insulation. Big mistake. (laughs) Not not good. Right. So that was that was really my first my 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 first exposure. But I I, I vividly, vividly remember that. Mm -hmm. But then later, like whenever there was something under construction, if we were if I was with my dad and we were driving somewhere, in order for him to get the knowledge to build that addition, he would stop on the side of the road and he'd, he'd go look at what they were doing. Whenever something was under construction, if I happened to be with him, we would stop and look. And then later in high school, um, we used to come down here to the, to the, to the beach, to the beaches, the Jersey Shore. Yep. You know, we were, we were those carpetbagger people that would drive down <laughs> and drive everyone crazy. But that was during a time when a lot of the homes were, it seemed that a lot of the homes along the, the, along the ocean were getting knocked down right. and, go, and there was new construction. So my, my dad and I, you know, we, we, we'd only be able to sit on the beach for so long. Um, we'd go for a walk. And if we saw something under construction, we would wander in. There was nothing that fascinated me more than a house that was being framed. And even even to this day, it's mm-hmm. my it's my favorite part of construction. When you walk in, and you can kind of see through the walls. Yep. And and the, when the sun comes through before there's you know before all the siding goes up and the plywood goes up and there's light coming through and there's shadows being casted, and and you can see the possibilities because it's a frame, so it's a form. The form is still there. Mm-hmm. But you haven't covered everything up with all the with all the drywall and stuff. So there's this this layered thing, and it's just uh, you know look when I was filling out the the forms for you for for our conversation, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you know I, this is this has been in my in my in my life for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you realized yeah. it or not, right? Yeah, yeah. There was just all these little nuances in my in my upbringing, in my life, and, and what I was attracted to. Right? You know, right. it was it wasn't like at that point. You know, middle school, high school, beginning of high school. It wasn't like I was sitting there saying, "Yeah, I'm going to be an architect." You know, that wasn't that wasn't it. But it was there. You know, it was already it was already starting to form. And there's a lot of things that you probably don't realize along the way. Some you do. Some seem pretty obvious. Even the abilities that that you do have. You know, you're artistic. You can design. You were drafting. You were doing that. You you were fascinated by construction. And and that in those moments, because I, I can certainly identify with so many things that you're saying. You know, I've, I've had mm-hmm. drafting in high school. I've 
built things, I've worked on things, I've you know I've considered a lot of options, uh, but you know there's there's also that ability to um, have that vision and see what it could look like in your mind's eye uh, before yeah. it's built, and and that's how you plan it. And and okay, there's a lot of technical details that that you put down to vision that, to see it, to design it walk through it while it's being built and then see it as as it's finished i'm continually surprised that oh oh gee everyone doesn't have this ability you know and and it's people like you know you and and a few other you know us that 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 it seems odd that they don't but again that's your ability your your forte to to really go into that and go yeah i can do this because you know i i have that vision i have the ability i have the sense and and now i have the education in order to do this and eventually a license yeah no definitely so now um you know you're you're about to leave college but there's a couple things that i I want to hit on before you uh go out into the world of work and what struck me here too is that your your professor at least a couple of your professors one in particular had some good advice uh for architecture students and and perhaps you about working in and getting experience at different things. Yeah, there was a small group of us that studied overseas with it, part of the, the, the travel program that Virginia Tech had. And the home base was in Switzerland, and that's where the Ferraris had their ha- That's where they lived. They lived in Switzerland. I remember we, you know, after a day of going, going touring and stuff, we, there was six of us, we went back to the Ferrari's house and, and we were, you know, we were talking about, you know, showing him our, our sketches and stuff. He talked about, so there's, there's a, there's a three-year internship after you graduate college with your professional degree. You have to work for three years. You have to do this internship before you can even sit for your licensing exam. So in, in Ferrari's opinion, his best advice was that, you know, because like we just mentioned, there's so many different like you can do you can do residential architecture you can do sky rises you can do um institutional whether that's hospitals or schools you can you know there's big there's small there's you know stuff that really dives into the interior design aspect and then there's there's people that just do warehouses so his his opinion was you should try in the three years that you're getting your your background and you're you're doing your internship to work for three different companies or it, it, at the very least work at three different work work on architecture that's three different scales so that as you get ready and you get your license and you're and you're re- really ready to to start your career you've had a exposure. And, and mentors in the real world and the professional world that hopefully would have exposed you to the, to the differences within the, within the field itself. And then, and then you can find a job and situate yourself um, in a place that's maybe a little bit more aligned with, with where your personal talents are. It's, a, it's good advice. If there's a, a period of time now, and I didn't realize previous that you know part of the requirements in order to get your license that it it required time in the field to get the experience and then sit and take the test and and then you get your your license from there so that's good and and there's a number of fields that do something similar so that's interesting to me so when you're leaving college obviously you're looking for those experiences and but 
you happened to be leaving college at a time that <laughs> things weren't booming. Things, you know, you couldn't just walk in and grab a job in in the exact place that you wanted to get it. So what were what were your efforts like in, in getting a job? Well, my mom had been sick, and I had traveled up to Portland, Maine for the first time ever with my mom right after graduation. Mm-hmm. I think I sent my resume to absolutely every architecture firm in Portland. I think I hit most of the Boston area. I hit pretty much all of Monmouth, Ocean, Morris, and Bergen County, New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. Yep. I actually, every time the rejection letter would come in, I, I taped it to my bedroom door. I literally covered my bedroom door with the rejection letters. And, mm. and I did it. <laughs> I did it. Is this torture or is this motivation? What is it? it was motivate all well, with both. It was it, it was it was torturous, but it was for motivation. Okay. I mean, it it was in. I remember I landed I landed an interview with Graham Gundon Associates, which is out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's a really well known, very well respected firm. And I was what I was doing was I was calling. So I would I would call. I'd find the the architecture firms. You know, we were using the yellow book back then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would call the I would call firms, and I'd say who would I, who do who do I address a resume to? I had the square, this really pretty square. You know, it was it wasn't it was eight and a half by eight and a half, and I had to get special envelopes. Some of them I I made them. I glued the envelopes myself, and I mailed them out. I got I got an interview when the guy called me to bring me in. He 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 said to me, he goes, out of curious. He goes, I'm really curious. He said, we we put out a uh, a thing in the newspaper, an advertisement. How did how did you bypass you know the normal channels? And I said, I didn't know you were advertising. I said, I'm just trying to get a job. I called up and I asked them who I should address a resume to, and they gave me your name. And so I. I had kind of leaped. I had I had leaped through the channels because I guess the one thing you know I, I again I, I don't the the rules are there but I you know I don't I don't let them hold me back you right. know I guess that's a, that's a theme in my life so I didn't end up getting the job they were they were actually competing for one of the Walt Disney um, hotels at the time okay but like but the interview went so well that they asked me to stay around so like I had got I got up my mom went with me this time. I got up at four o'clock in the morning so I could drive to Boston for this interview, <laughs> and then and then it went really well and they wanted me to meet one of the partners. So my mom and I had to go back in my car and like it was hot, it was, it was summer, and we put mm. the air conditioning on and took a nap so that I could go back three hours later for the second <laughs> part of the interview. Yeah, um, so it, it, yeah, it was it was a, it was a little disappointing. So that that went on all all, all summer, and then the, the the place that I had worked for. In, in Virginia, um, my roommate had gotten a job there. She was an industrial engineer major, and they were they were looking for somebody. They were hired. They were a consulting a consulting company that did a lot of consulting work for the Army Corps of Engineers, a lot, a lot of DC clients. The, the company is Booz Allen and Hamilton, and they were writing a training manual to teach the Army Corps of Engineers how to space plan. And they were looking for people that could help write that training manual. Wow. There was an architect that was heading the the group that was in charge of this project. I, w- I went back for an interview, and, and they hired me because I had worked there the summer before. Okay, um, good. You know, by begrudgingly, it was still in the field of architecture. It was about as far removed as you could possibly get. But, 
but it's there. There were a lot of there were a lot of people at that time. There were a lot of kids out of school. They were working for free, you know. And right. and architecture, unfortunately, has that seedy side of it, where the very well known, established architects, you know, oh, you can come. I ha and I had this happen. I had two or three people like answer my resumes and say, oh, well, you know. If you come and work for us, you know, we'll give you we'll give you work, but we can't pay you. Yeah. But if we land this job, then maybe we'll hire you. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, that, that's just, you know, that's just not going to work for me. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, that certainly was a bigger thing, I think. I, I know maybe it's still big. I don't know. You hear of it from now and then, or time to time, I should say, you know, often an internship. Oh, you know, just just go just work for free just just go do that or or come work for us and get experience but we're not going to pay you and that's a that's a tough thing to do and and if they they have something that people are willing to go do that then they have you know an audience that's that's willing to do that so and some experience is great and how we get it it's it's sometimes a little difficult so we do what we yeah. can do and and how we can do it so you work there and then then you moved on then i moved on i moved back to new jersey Mm -hmm. And I, through one of those friends from college that I went to Europe with, his uncle had a very, was a partner in a very, very small firm in Livingston. It was very, very small <laughs> and not ideal conditions for working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the front part of a warehouse. It was a ball bearing warehouse. I, I can remember walking in one day and actually wiping rat poop off of my drafting desk. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, but it was it was work. It was residential. It was full time. That was I mean when I before that I had actually I when I moved back to New Jersey I was just doing I was doing work for whoever whichever architect like I, I told architects that I you know I could do some drafting so I would just mm -hmm. draft out of my apartment right whatever they needed and and you know it was by by project or by page or whatever whatever they needed right. until I actually got that that job in Livingston. Okay, so how long were you working there in in Livingston? In in that office, I only lasted about a year. A little, yeah, about a, about a year because there had been another firm I had interviewed with, and um, they I, they didn't give me the job, so I took the Livingston job, and mm. then they called me back. So then I moved from there into a, a small residential practice in in Morristown, okay. um, which which was great. It was a, it was a great practice. It was an it was an architect. I had tried to get a summer internship with him, but again the recession and stuff that that didn't really didn't really work. That was Rose Associates at a Morristown, and they did some commercial buildings. They did the the Morris Morris County Hall of Records. They did a lot of high end residential work. So I really got my I really got my my feet wet, and I I that's when I really started learning a lot more about how things got built because. I would I would just go out into the field more. I would I would basically on my way home or on my way into work, I'd, I'd find ways to stop by the construction sites and and just look around. That's that's what I drew. Or oh, that and I, you know I'm a kind of a curious person, so I I, I didn't care. I, I I'd ask the contractors or the framers. What why is that there, right? So I you know I didn't I, I wanted to learn. I was thirsty to learn. I asked questions. I think that the problem with young people is that you get mindless in the things that you do and you can't you you have to understand what you're doing and if that means asking questions ask questions interesting okay so so you're at a larger firm you're doing residential work for the most part yep. uh and you're you're learning you having gotten your architect's test 
yet you're still developing your experience. Yeah. Uh, and that unfortunately comes to an end with that position, not by your choosing, obviously. No, no. So my, the, the owner of the company has um, gone from being in remission from cancer to having the cancer come back. He had had cancer, I guess, 10 years prior. It came, it came back in the form. He had had um, prostate cancer. It came back as uh, brain cancer. Oh, wow. He got sick really fast. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't give up. He'd come into work every day, but the senior staff saw the writing on the wall. They jumped ship. They, they, they left. So out of this, you know, this, this young, but established firm, young in that the, the people working there were young, you know, the two, the two older people with the most experience in, in the company left. And so I was there it's it's hard because you know as, as a young as a young professional you get you get attached to people. I'm a I'm a people person. It was kind of like I guess I had all my all my buttons pushed and, and you know you you don't have you don't have emotional boundaries up you know when you're young either and so it was like oh you know I made the conscious decision I'm 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 staying until the end. It was it's quite obvious that that Tom wasn't going to get better. He would come to work and literally crawl underneath his desk and go to sleep. Um, you know, he, he tried. And so I, I stepped up when the two senior people left and started doing a lot of things that they were doing. Um, you know, I was meeting clients. I was writing contracts. I was going over things with Tom. And then, um, and then the very end when he right before he passed he hadn't he hadn't put anything um he hadn't made arrangements basically for the succession of his of his company and so there were there were a lot of things that were like that had to get done like really quickly like get his wife's name on the bank account right otherwise he would die and everything would have been frozen so there was this mad scramble to not only learn all the things and, and do all the things to keep the company running. And the, and I had, I had two friends that I had recruited from Virginia Tech. One was older and one was younger. They were working there. So it was like, keep doing the work, keep getting the clients, keep making the clients happy, run the business, do the payroll, and try to find another architect to help to come in and help and then buy the company the open projects right the projects that when tom died something had I, no i wasn't licensed yet and um, i was trying to be it was an education that nobody should have to go through <laughs> sure i that, that's a tough thing for for anyone especially a young professional and trying to live your own life and your own relationships and and then you have this whole career but things are going south of the career not for you but for the business and yeah. and you're stepping up to try to help as as much as you can so that's a huge burden to to put on anybody no matter what stage of life they're at or what they might be going through you know personally or professionally it's just that's another burden so Again, kudos to you for stepping up to do that. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have complete faith in everybody out there to think that they would all do the same thing, but, you know, the right people do the right things at the right time. I I like, I try not, I don't think about that time too much anymore. I like to think, I know I did the right thing. Mm -hmm. I I wonder if my more mature self would, would do it all over again. 
I, I know in my heart it was the right thing. Sure. And and even at that time, you, you made the decisions you made for whatever reasons they were. And that's good. So, you know, it whatever worked out in, in the way it did, uh, no matter what, that that's okay. So you moved on from there. You got a little bit more experience and you were ready to take your architect's test, correct? Yeah. Well, I was actually in the process of taking my architecture exam. Mm-hmm. So I, when the firm finally closed, we closed the doors. I started interviewing and I finished up taking, you know, I finished up studying. I had two sections to finish taking and I took on a new job in Hackensack. Shortly thereafter, I, I finished taking the, the exam and I got licensed. So, it, it, you know, the, that that whole, I took some time off between when the firm closed and I started my new job so I could study. And then I, you know, it was a condition of me starting at Don and Krieger in Hackensack um, Mm -hmm. was that, you know, I needed to, I needed a little time so that I could regroup, recover and study because I needed that, those two sections um, done. So that's what I did. I started the new job in Hackensack. I I took the two exams that I needed to take and, um, and the new adventure started there. Just knowing some of your story and reading a little bit about your past there, that next chapter in your life really is pretty significant in many ways. You get a new job, you're in Hackensack, there's things going on professionally. You worked there for quite a while, I believe it's about 10 years or so? Yeah, yeah, I was there for, yeah, just just, just under 10 years, just about. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and now life really kicks in, and you're you're balancing a lot of professional and personal things happening in your life. So I don't know, what do you want to elaborate during that, that 10 year period of time or so? I met my current husband when the other firm, my, my first marriage kind of went south during the time when my previous boss was sick and dying. And it was just a really stressful time. The beginning carried through. I started this new job. That relationship ended. I met my current husband of almost 20 years now uh, on a job there in Hackensack. Mm-hmm. He was, he's a civil engineer. So like you, he studied, he studied engineering. Yep. So very close to my world. So we, we met on a project. So that started changing, you know, so things started changing. We got married. He moved in, he moved into my house in Morris, Morris County. And, but his work was down here in, in Mammoth County. He, as a civil engineer, he, he works for a lot of towns and he sits on those meetings, the planning and zoning board meetings. So he had a lot of night meetings and he was commuting from, from the Jersey shore up to Morris County and not getting home until one, two, three o'clock in the morning. So that was a little, little, little rough. We get shortly after, you know, we're, we're married. We, I get, we get pregnant and you know, everything's great. Until everything's not great. <laughs> yeah. I, in my, when I was six months pregnant, I got diagnosed with bladder cancer. Oh, my God. Which is unusually, usually men over the age of 60 who work in the chemical industry were the targets for bladder cancer. It, it kind of came out of nowhere. Hmm. It was very stressful. Um, I'm working full time. I'm pregnant. Now I have cancer. The, the, the first doctor doesn't want to operate until after the baby's born, but wants me to do all these stupid things. I'm crying every night at home, and I'm going, I can't do this for three months. So we find another doctor, the Dr. Grasso, who was head of the urology department at, at the time, St. Vincent's Hospital in New York City. Again, my dad, my dad knew somebody who knew somebody 
who knew Dr. Grasso. We, I went in on I went in to see him on a Thursday. He operated on Monday. Wow. Luckily, the, the tumor was superficial. You know, those, those three. So I had the surgery in my 34th week, and my son came a little early. He tried to come that day, but they <laughs> they said no. Yeah. <laughs> and the good good team of doctors there. You know, they and and the scary part was during the surgery, I had to be awake because I was pregnant. So they don't they don't put oh, you in yeah. anesthesia. Um, so that was that was in and of itself was a traumatic experience. But he you know he came later, healthy. He's great. I'm good. We've we've since then come to find out that I have I have a generic disorder called Lynch syndrome oh. um, that makes you predisposed to certain types of cancers. Nobody knew it back then, but that is circling back. That's 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 where it happened. What what it is? Where it right. came from? But you know, you know, all all those years of of working and putting your all into everything, and you get emotionally invested with your the people you work with, and even to a certain degree your clients. And then something like this happens, and you you don't you don't know, right? There's that there's that window where you you, you don't you don't know where your life's going to end. Because, you know, they don't know what kind of, you know, how bad the cancer is until they take it out and they do the pathology. They don't know, is it going to come back? Is it, you know, you have six months, six years, you know, sure. six years, you, you, sure. know, you know, none of that. And here, I'm, I'm so excited. My life's on track. I, you know, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful man. I'm, I'm having my first baby. And I don't even know if I'm going to get to see him grow up. I, yeah. don't, I don't even know, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a La Leche um, specialist on the phone because I have to have a CAT scan with iodine after the baby's born and you have to pump and dump, you mm. know, it's, 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 and they're, and they're like, well, he might not latch back on. So you got to be prepared, you know, so you're, you're making all these plans before the, you know, before the surgery, before the baby's born about the what ifs, the contingencies. Um, I was just tired. So after, um, I took six months maternity leave, I, I did go back to work, but yeah. I, I cut my hours back. I, I cut them back to 30 hours. And I, at that point, uh, six months later, my husband and I moved from Morris County down here to um, Monmouth County. And so I was doing a commute. In just those three days, um, I would go into the office and I would work at home two days so that I could spend time with my son. But those three days that I was commuting into the office, I would leave so early and come home so late that I, I couldn't take our son to daycare. I couldn't, I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't drop him off. There were times when my husband had meetings at night and we would literally meet in a parking lot oh, wow. uh, yeah. along, along Route 9. <laughs> and he would pick him up from daycare and we'd meet in the parking lot and we'd switch the baby in the car and then I would take him home and he'd go to his meeting. And oh, it, was, wow. it was crazy. You know, after 10 years of working in Hackensack and doing a two-hour commute from Howell to Hackensack, yeah. I said that's that's it's enough because you you realize that life is short. There's no guarantees, and you have to you have to take every day one step at a time and just be really grateful for the time that you do have. Commuting up and down Route 9 and and watching not watching my son grow up wasn't going to be an option. So I went from this very driven work, corporate life, 
you know, whatever to no, I, I need to I need to do what's best for I had I had another life. I had a family, I had another little little life to to be influential with. So my everything shifted, basically. You know, the yeah. whole your, your whole perspective shifts and it was a good shift. You know, it, it it's probably more in balance with who I am now. You can't give a hundred percent. You have to you have to take care of yourself. And it was sure. probably the first really big moment in my life where you take that breath and you say, okay, it's, it, it's time to take care of me. And that's an important thing. Obviously, it, it has to be. Our circumstances, you know, when you're 19, 20, 25 years old, the world looks very, very different a few years down the road and circumstances being different and whether it's something health related that comes into our lives that we have to make some major decisions on you got divorced remarried you were pregnant and you've got a career and you're trying to balance many many different things on your plate and and what what gives what wins and and those are just very personal decisions based on a lot of things uh, and very, very important and, and you know, to, to you and your family and, and, and all that too. So again, you know, obviously influence where you are, what you're doing and, and what makes you happy and, and thrive in your life and, and put your priorities where they are. So that's very important. Yeah, that's where we land now because, you know, I, I left, I left Hackensack, not because I, I didn't, I, I loved where I worked. I loved the, the, the people that I worked with and for and the work, the work was commercial. I, I missed the residential. I, I had a, I had small residential projects on my own. But I, I left to have a better quality of, of life. That's wonderful. It's, 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 it's great. And now you've had your business for 15 years. It sounds like you're really doing great. I know you are. I've seen your work and what you're doing. Uh, we've come full circle in this interview to, to, to really see that you've, You've been very successful. You've and, and again, you've you've balanced your personal and professional life. You followed your career. You were driven by your own personal choices and desires and your your likes, your fortes and all that too. So uh, I think this has been, you know, very inspirational in a lot of ways. You've had a good career so far. You're not done by any means. There's a, a whole lot more gas in that tank and where you're going to go. So it's, it's more of the same. Continue on your business. Enjoy your family. Do some traveling. What's what's the future? Yeah, travel definitely. My son's in college at Virginia Tech. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be trips trips down the you know the, into the Blue Ridge Mountains. And um, did you declare a major? Yeah, physics. He's a physics major. Okay, good. So we'll see if he, he, he finishes that out. And, yeah, it's just, you know, it's always retirements in the not-too-distant future. Not It's not in the, you know, immediate future, but it's mm-hmm. about, okay, what, what's next? You know, it's kind of on the horizon there a little bit. And now that my son isn't home and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need mommy anymore. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> toying with getting back into, you know, some, some, I have some extra time. So my photography might rear its head in the practice. We're doing virtual reality now, which is really exciting. So I'm, yeah. I'm two years ago, I changed software. So I'm, I'm constantly learning and we're doing these amazing virtual reality renderings. And this year, I'm hoping that we're going to get into putting on those little goggles, the VR goggles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's, it's all about learning, right? So it's, it's 
seems like every time I think I'm settling in, there's something there's something new to learn. So that's that's the next thing here for us. Perfect. And then some travel. Hopefully, when everybody's better from COVID, you know that would be it would be nice to be able to maybe. My husband and I are celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary, and oh, nice. you know we're trying to to go overseas if if it's at all possible next fall. Perfect. That's it. Sounds like wonderful plans. You've done a great thing. I, I really appreciate you doing this interview. It will go far. I think it'll be very influential. I may have to reach out to you again. I, I may have to bug you to see if I can maybe even get you into some of our schools to be a, a guest lecturer, whether that's virtual or online uh, during this time period. Pleasure. Come see what our students are, are doing and where they're heading and, and the wonderful stuff. We have an architectural technology program as well as a couple of CAD programs, and they are getting into the VR as well. So you can show Excellent. them uh, what you're doing professionally, and they can see that, and hopefully they're all on the right track and – Maybe I'll get you on our advisory committee or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm expecting a lot. But this was certainly a tremendous interview, and I really, really appreciate it. So good luck with everything, and thank you so much. Thank you. No, I appreciate it, Sean. It was, it was my pleasure, definitely. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye now. That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.